good morning, family. How are we doing? Awesome. Well, welcome. We're thrilled you're here, whether you're here in person or joining us online. Uh, my name is Kenneth Price. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the exciting opportunity this morning to uh, take a step into the next portion of our journey. Um, and so we are actually starting this morning this next section of reading through the Bible in a year, and it's called Into the Promise. Part one is Take the Step. And so um, I, I want to kind of, we're going to recap just a little bit, but I also just kind of want to share with you the goal of this next section. And, and we, uh, just like you heard on the video, I hesitate to call them characters because I, I think they were people. Um, and, and character can sometimes kind of give us this image of, you know, th this great and, and uh, made up kind of thing. But, but these were people in the Bible that God did incredible things through, through their obedience and through their brokenness. And so this is a disclaimer that I would love for us to, to continue to think on through the rest of the time through this next portion, is that, that every single one of these people were, were normal. Uh, they, they were full of mess. They were full of brokenness. And God still chose to use that to accomplish incredible things. And, and that's the same in our lives. Can I, can I just speak that encouragement into you if you're in this place this morning or watching, is that in our mess... In our brokenness, God still um, chooses to, to create beautiful things out of the dirt, right? And so let's keep that in mind over the next, you know, several months as we walk through these different people's journeys is, is that, you know, they were just people and God chose to do mighty things through them. And so I want to uh, get us started by giving us just a really quick recap on everywhere that we have been since January as, as we have taken this journey together. So um, it, it's a lot. I want to encourage you to just go ahead, if, if you will, just kind of take a breath with me. Just go, okay, all right. And I want to remind you as we're doing this that any of these, if you miss any of these stories, if you miss any of these sermons, you can watch those at any time online on our website. Um, if, if any of the things that I'm sharing kind of sound intriguing, that kind of thing, I would love for you to, to use that resource to, to go back and watch some of these sermons. So here we go. So first and foremost, the story, the highlights so far, keep in mind, these are cliff notes. These are not going to tell you the whole story, and some of them, it's just kind of sentences that, that just kind of explain. So first and foremost, God created everything including Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned, cursing mankind uh, with original sin and original guilt, and therefore we are carriers of sin, we are carriers of guilt. God has forgiven us of those things, and that's further on in the story. Uh, God destroyed the earth with the flood and saved Noah and his family. Uh, so keep in mind, we're just kind of jumping around a little bit. The united people, after the, the earth was repopulated, they built the Tower of Babel, and then God saw their pride and scattered them. Uh, then God called Abram to form his nation, the people of Israel. His name was changed to Abraham. God's covenant was made with him and his people. This is an important pause in the midst of the story, because God looked at Abraham and said, um, I will be your God, you will be my people, I will bless you so that you can bless all of the other nations around you and they will see that I'm God through the works that you're doing and the works that I'm doing through you. So this is important to keep in mind as we continue in, in this story this morning. Uh, so we see a little bit later, Jacob, uh, and, and this should say Jacob deceived Isaac and Esau. Sorry, that was a, an error on my part. Uh, and then Laban turned around and deceived Jacob in uh, Jacob marrying his daughters. Jacob had a bunch of kids uh, and one of them was Joseph. Ready for the next part? All right. Joseph was sold into slavery into Egypt because his brothers were jealous. Uh, Joseph became Pharaoh's right-hand man after many years of struggle. 
Joseph rescued the nation of, uh, of Egypt and in doing so rescued his family from famine. The people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt because Joseph kind of stayed there and hung out. Um, many years later, Moses was born. He was rescued. He moved away and he came back to Egypt to rescue God's people. That's a really like a fun little shortening, right? There's a lot more in that story, right? Uh, so God sent Moses, Aaron, and the plagues to free his people from Egypt. And they crossed over the sea on dry land. It was a, a beautiful image. And then, uh, as we learned last week, the people of Israel received the law. They rebelled more. And then they wandered in the desert for 40 years. We're there. <laughs> right? Um, so I wanted to talk this morning. We're going to open up with a story of Joshua. Right there where we end at the end of that 40 years walking through the wilderness, we're picking up with Joshua. And so I want to give us a brief um, overview of Joshua, and then I, I have some, um, I, 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 we're going to open up the word. I've got some thoughts, and, and I'm, this sermon has just been burning on my heart for the last several days. I, I think this is an important message for us to hear as the people of God. It's something that I've been walking through deeply. The Holy Spirit has been like drawing me back through this for, for you know, the last 72 hours. It's just like, it's burning in my heart. And so first and foremost, the book of Joshua in a nutshell, because uh, it's 24 chapters. Brian asked me to preach about the whole thing. Um, so I'm, I'm going to tell you what it's about. And then we're going to dig into some of the more important um, moments. And then you guys can, you know, take the cliff notes and, and do what you will with that. So first and foremost, uh, four movements throughout the book of Joshua. First movement happens in chapter one through five. This actually we're going to camp out the most this morning. And that is Joshua leads the people of Israel finally into the promised land. Movement number two, chapter 6 through 12, is uh, all of the battles with the Canaanites. The Canaanites are the people who inhabited the land that Joshua walked into, and they didn't just want to hand over their homes to the Israelites. So there are a lot of battles. It's fun. If you like war movies, that's a good place for you to read. Um, movement three, chapters 13 through 22. This is the part that I had a hard time getting through the few times that I read it because it's, it's a lot of information. For you history nerds, this is the best part for you. Um, for me, I was like, I, I don't care if, you know, this tribe lived in the hills or this tribe lived. It's okay, great. That's awesome. But Joshua divides all of the land that they've just taken into the 12 tribes and, and gives them each their own land to live in, inherit the land that God promised them. I love that part, but the doing it is just kind of like, ah, okay. And then finally, movement four, chapters 23 through 24, Joshua gives his final words, final directives to the people dies and has his bones buried. Um, so that's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, we're going to walk through just a little bit of this today. I want to give you just a little bit of background of who this Joshua is before we jump in and read, though. So I, I didn't realize this as much until I was doing some more studying about Joshua, but he was mentioned a lot, actually, throughout Exodus. Okay? So one of the first times we see Joshua mentioned is Moses is about to go into battle with, uh, against Amalek. And this is the famous battle where Moses, he's standing on the hill, and when Aaron and Hur are raising his arms, the, the army is winning, and when his arms fall down, the, the army's losing, and it's a back and forth. And what I didn't realize is that Moses looked at Joshua in that moment and said, hey, I want you to go and get the army ready, and I want you to lead the army out against Amalek. So it's like, first and foremost, we need to know about Joshua is he is a warrior. 
He's like going out and, and he's a general on the field as Moses is doing uh, the work of leading, okay? Second, I didn't realize this, and this was kind of a cool revelation to me, is that when Moses went up onto Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, uh, we learned about this last week, he comes back down and finds that all of the gold and all of the jewelry has been melted into a golden calf, right? But what we find out is as Moses is coming down, who does he meet on the way down? Joshua. He was waiting uh, while Moses went, it says in the Bible that, that Joshua was Moses' advisor and his assistant. And so like literally Moses is coming down and Joshua's like, hey, I just heard some noise coming from the camp. We might want to check that out. It doesn't sound like battle, but like we need to go down there right now. And so, I mean, he's, he's entrenched with Moses. He, he's watching him. He's standing along, uh, alongside of him throughout all of these exploits that we see in the wilderness. And then this is a more famous part of what we know about him is that he was one of the 12 spies that was originally sent into Canaan for 40 days to go and look and see what the, what the culture looked like, right? So he, uh, him and the 12 spies, 40 days, they're looking at all the, the cities. They're looking at the people. They're looking at the fruit. They're looking at the livestock all of these different things to come back and give a report to Moses and say, hey, this is what the land, the promised land that God has promised us looks like. And we see in that part of the story, 10 of the spies are like, oh my gosh, those people are giants. They will crush us. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. And so like all the people are terrified. Everybody in the assembly is like, no, we can't. What? God promised us that? That's crazy. Let's go back to Egypt, Right? How many times do we hear them say that? Let's just go back to Egypt. It was better there. At least we got meals. At least we we're going to get crushed by these giant people. But Joshua and Caleb look and they said, dude, God made us this promise. Why are you scared? Let's go in there and rock their worlds. Right? You know what happened in that moment is the people, like the, the general assembly looked at them and said, these guys are idiots. Let's stone them. And like, if it wasn't for God's divine intervention, literally in that moment, Joshua and Caleb would have been stoned. What happened is God stepped in and he said, you know what, the 10 of you, because you are being punks right now, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And as a matter of fact, everybody who was freed from Egypt and has been wandering with you, they're all going to die before I give the promised land to Joshua and Caleb and the new people that are born in the meantime. Ouch, Right. And so Joshua has this legacy of being like alongside with Moses. And we see right there his courage coming out and saying, like, I think we can do this, guys. I think we can go in and take a hold of the promise that God has for us. So we fast forward 40 years, and this is where we pick up. I want to encourage you to turn to Joshua 1. And we're going to do like a little bit of reading today uh, throughout the sermon. So uh, I'm not going to have you stand, but I would love for you to turn to Joshua 1. It's on page 210 if you're using the Bible in front of you. It's on your iPhone, um, on your implants, all that good stuff. So, all right, we're going to start in verse, sorry, that was dumb. Uh, we're going to start in verse 1. This is what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, so there we see it again, he's his assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Cool. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So just one second here. Can you imagine being Joshua and God himself looks at you and says, be strong and courageous, you are the one that will cause all of this to happen. I like kind of got some chills, right? Like, that's awesome. Here's where it keeps on going. God repeats himself, so only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have success wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So I'm going to pause here again. The whole promise of God here is predicated on one action. Be faithful to the law. Be faithful to my words. Be faithful to my commands. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Follow me and I will make this happen. Do you, do you see that? That's massive here because I think sometimes we get that kind of twisted, right? All right, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Wait, did you like pray up? Did you read up? Did you follow the command? Is that in your heart? Is it coming out of your mouth consistently? I mean, like meditate on it day and night. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Some of us are so busy speaking things that are not the word of God. How can we expect to move forward in the promise of God and conquer the things in front of us if we don't have his commands coming out of our mouth? If we're not meditating on it, like in our heart, that's for free. I'm, that's just, just a challenge, okay? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, what a promise. Three specific times here, he tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because I've chosen you. Be strong and courageous and follow the law that I've given you. Be strong and courageous and you'll do it. Man. I have to think, like I, I was thinking through this, and, and can you imagine the challenge of Joshua stepping into this moment? Because Moses has been seen all of these years as the great leader who freed the people from Egypt. All these people, they were used to following him. Everything that he said went, sometimes. They were used to following him. He was the one that went and went face to face with God. He was the one that brought the commandments back down. He was the one that set up all of their worship systems. Now he's dead. Can you imagine as Joshua, who was like the sidekick? All right, now you're in charge. Who, me? Are you sure about that, God? Yeah, you. How many times in the Bible was somebody in place for such a time as that, right? Moses had trained him. But here's the thing I think about Joshua more than anything else, and this is, this is the crux of the message. This is the crux of everything I want to talk about this morning. We'll talk about the battles a little bit. We'll talk about the cool stuff because it's fun. But I think if we walk away from the sermon and we don't get this in our hearts, I think we're doing ourselves and the Holy Spirit a disservice because I think this is what caused Joshua to be successful, okay? Here it is. Joshua knew who he was and he knew who he wasn't. 
And I'll go on to say that he, he knew who was with him. But he knew who he was and he knew who he wasn't. And I, I will put out this challenge to you. I firmly believe with my whole heart that when we truly know who we are and we truly know who we aren't, there will never be a time in your life that you are more content in who God is in your life. These are the, these are the, the boundaries. These are the, the railways of your life that will help you make every decision, that will help you walk perfectly at peace with, with the Father. It'll help you to see your sin as what it is, forgiven and, and gotten rid of. When I truly know who I am, but I also have, have the, the rail there of who I'm not, man, nothing can convince me otherwise. I have a deeper burning yes in my heart to move towards all of the things that God has called me to. But when I don't know who I am, I wander around like a chicken with my head cut off, right? When I don't know who I'm not, I'll say yes to everything. Yeah, you bet. That sounds awesome. Let me serve in this way. Wonderful. And then I'm going to burn myself out. Joshua moved in everything he did from a place of knowing exactly who he was and exactly who he wasn't. What do I mean by that? Let, let's take a look. We're going to read through some, some different scripture here that, that explains exactly what Joshua knew about himself. So first and, first and foremost, Joshua, Joshua knew that he was chosen by God. We just read this. Like God looked at him and he said, I've chosen you. Keep my commands. Keep my laws. And you're going to succeed. I've chosen you. Joshua knew it in his core. He knew it deep down inside of himself that he was God's chosen leader. He looked at him and said, Moses is dead. Now you go and lead. I've chosen you. Do you know that you're chosen? If you don't, man, can I encourage you to like get in deep with God about that? You've been chosen. You've been picked out. If, if you believe in Jesus and you're walking in that life, you've been chosen for a purpose that is bigger than you can imagine. It's to embrace the gospel with all of your heart and to push that gospel out into the world around you. It's amazing to be chosen by God. He knew that deep down inside of himself. He was confident about it. So like, look, here in the next little bit, um, I, I'm not going to read all of this, but, but here's an important thing. Joshua turned around from that meeting with God, and he walked out into the assembly of the people, and he said, guess what? In three days, we're walking across this river, and we're going to go take that land. Why? Oh, God told me we were. I'm confident in who I am, and I'm confident in who God was. And look at the response of the people here in verse 16. It says, and then the people answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the word, uh, the Lord your God, be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Can you imagine the confidence that you must have to walk into the middle of this super rebellious people who are always messing up and to say, this is what we're going to do. And they turn around and they look at you and say, whatever you say, we're going to do it. And if you say it and they don't do it, we're going to kill them. And then they're going to echo back exactly what God said to Joshua. Only be strong and courageous. It's like this battle cry. The people were charged up because of Joshua's confidence, because of who he knew he was in Christ. Can you say that like in your workplace? I'm so confident in who I am in Christ that the people around me get excited about the things that I'm telling them about Christ. I'm so confident in who I am in Christ that when I walk into Meyer, the store looks different. The glory of God is everywhere. People are looking back at me and being like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's get there, right? He was dedicated to God's word. Here, in, um, I, I'm going to give you the best paraphrase I know how. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of words. 
So immediately after this, Israel crosses the Jordan, and this is a cool little bookend that, that is awesome to keep in mind. You remember what happened when, when the Israelites left Egypt? They walked across the sea on dry land, right? Now, as they're about to march across the Jordan, you know what happens? God lets them march across the Jordan on dry land. It's like this bookend. It's like, man, God is good. Like, like he provided a way. And you know what they did? They turned around, they got rocks out of the river, out of the riverbed, and they stacked them up and they made a monument. He was dedicated to God's word because he was a rememberer. God did this for us. Let's set up a monument to praise him and give him the glory. So then they turned around, and after these memorial stones were set up, <laughs> this, this part's fun. Joshua looked at, at the people and said, you, you know what? We're going to continue to keep God's command. All of the people who were alive and were circumcised back then are dead. So I'm going to get out my flint. It's time to go to town. Right? <laughs> Let me tell you, I was a circumcision like six months ago. That was not fun. Can you imagine that on like grown people? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. He was dedicated to God's command to do the uncomfortable stuff, to do the stuff that, that set him apart and dedicate the people to him. And then beyond that, you know what they did? They set up a tent and they had the Passover there in the promised land. Before they even went into battle, they remembered what the Lord had done and they worshiped him through the Passover. Joshua was highly dedicated to following God's word. We see here um, in, in exactly the same way that, that he was dedicated to God. He was a servant of God. In uh, chapter 5, verse 13, it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And the man said, No. Neither. But I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And, and this shows us his, his, his attitude towards God, right? The moment he hears, I am the commander uh, of the Lord, of the army of the Lord, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? He literally called himself a servant. The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place you're standing is holy. And Joshua did. So he was dedicated to what the Lord had for him. He wanted to be a servant and follow exactly what God wanted. He was a servant of the people. And I, I just mentioned that. What kind of a servant would you have to be to circumcise all your people? What kind of a servant would you have to be to wash the feet of your people? What kind of a servant would you have to be as a leader to, to do these lowly things in order to pour out the power of God on them. One thing that Brian says all the time is, like, you shouldn't be in ministry if you don't like the smell of sheep, right? I love that idea. But all of us, we're all called to be servants. We're all called to, to bow low and to give ourselves for other people. He knew he was a servant of the people. And then we see in a little bit, and we're going to talk about some of these battles. They're awesome. He, he was a warrior. Like, he didn't have time to mess around, right? He didn't, he didn't just point and say, you go. Like, he picked up his sword, and he ran into the battle. Joshua knew that about himself. He knew these things about himself. Because we turn around at the very end of the book, what happens? Joshua says, look, all of these things happened because we followed God's law. 
We followed his commands and look what happened. It's incredible like as you read through these stories, the, the things that happened because Joshua was faithful. Joshua also knew what he was not. And this is a point that I think we, we really need to get deep within our hearts here is because sometimes I think it's so easy to know so much about who we are, we refuse to look at who we're not. I'm not Brian Tima, right? I love Brian Tima. I love his gifts. I love the way that he leads and the way that he challenges and the way that he sets up others to be successful, but I'm not built the same way that he is. And, and, and I don't mean this like negatively. Thank God for that because I'm Kenneth Price. You know what I mean? I'm not Jeremy Heavey. He has so many incredible gifts. He, he, he pours himself out in front of people. I hate conflict. Like, Jeremy's incredible. Like, he sits in the middle of people and draws them closer together. And it's like me, I'm just like, I'm just going to, you guys good? Okay, we'll see you, you know. I know who I'm not. I know, like, if you look at me, like, I, I, can, I, I have, like, all of these gifts, right? I, I, have, I have vision out the wazoo. I, I tell the people that work with me, like, I need an anchor because I'm a kite, you know? Like, I'm out here just floating around with the wind, like, thinking of all these cool things we can do as a ministry. And I'm like, you need to ground me right now because I'm about to float away. You want me to build you a spreadsheet? I'll, I could do it. But it's going to take me, like, seven hours, and it's going to be really basic. Now, I'm not an administrator. I know that about myself. I love teaching. I, I think it's fun. You know, like, I, I, I get a charge out of, like, being able to, like, come up with cool information and, and, and to charge up the body of Christ to go and do stuff. But... I know who I am and I know who I'm not. It was interesting, like I was, I was actually like at this conference um, a year ago, like a little, little more than a year ago in Florida. It was awesome, like the last thing I got to do anything, anything cool. Um, and like I sat down at this table in, in the conference room eating lunch. Me and my wife were sitting there. This guy like sits down and it's this, this disciple-making conference. We're there to get resources and like, yeah, you, can, you too can make disciples at your church. Put in this system and it's going to be awesome. Only seven payments of, you know, 199 And so like this guy sat down next to us and, and he's like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm Kenneth. This is my wife, Monica. Oh, cool. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, one kid, one on the way. Oh, awesome. Yeah. We were at Grace Spring. It's in Kalamazoo. It's, you've heard of it from Dr. Seuss probably. The guy looks at me and he's like, but who are you? I was like, I, I told you. <laughs> I just told you everything I am, like, right? I, I'm a pastor at a church. I have a wife and a kid and another kid on the way. It's, it's great. And then he like looked at me. He's like, I'm, I'm asking you, who are you? And like, I really wish like telling this story that I could be like, I, I like, powered it up, and I was like, yeah, this is who I am. I'm awesome. Like, you know, I have, I have all these dreams and all these plans and all these visions, and I'm a child of God, and, but, you know, I was just like, huh, good question. And I wish, like, now, like, looking back, on, I had turned it around on him, see what he was looking for, right? Like, who are you? I asked you first. No, ah, darn it. But I got to think, I, I've thought about that a lot over the last year, because this last year has been a time of pressing together and shaking in a way that, that I, I don't think I have to explain to you because we've all been walking through this last year together, right? We all understand what this last year has looked like. It's been a time where, where God has shaken our faith to see what's coming out. But it's also been a time where like, we, we have an awesome time to purge all of these things. But I, I think about that all the time. I, I think I know now more who I am and I wish I could like, see that dude again. I don't even know his name because uh, I was too busy being angry that he asked me a, a stupid question. Like, 
but I think about it all the time now, and I can tell him now, like, yeah, I have a lot of really good ideas. You know, I'm an idea guy. I like to have a lot of fun. I'm, a, I'm full of joy, you know? I, I know who I am. I also know who I'm not. Joshua knew who he was not. He, he was not Moses. He's not going to lead the same way Moses did, right? If he did, like, I mean, that'd be cool. He was his protege, but, like, he did things differently. Moses, like, was this, was this visionary leader who, who, who spoke, thus saith the Lord. And Joshua was just like, let's take it. Like, I've got all these skills. I want to put them to use. He wasn't Aaron either. He wasn't a priest. I like to think of Joshua as just this rugged dude that's just like, yeah, let's get it done, you know? I don't think that Joshua is a master strategist. If you know the Bible, like, way better than me, you can argue with me. That's cool. But I'm looking through these battles. Every single one, one of them that I see that they won, God's like, hey, Joshua, you should do this. And Joshua's like, oh, okay, cool, right? He wasn't a master strategist. He just followed the Lord, did what the Lord told him to do. I don't think he was weak and cowardly either, though. We're going to see that with Jericho and I. He picked up his sword and he fought and he did the hard things and he did what he needed to do. He knew deeply who he was and who he wasn't. And that was the reason I think that he was able to, to walk. I mean, this, this book is awesome. Like to, to see the amount of things Joshua did with his life, even after like 40 years like in the desert, he conquered this entire land and was able to, to administrate and put out uh, all of the tribes of Israel into the places that they, they belonged in. It's massive. But I, I believe he, it, it came from a place of deep contentedness, knowing who the Lord called him to be and knowing who the Lord called him not to be. Moses didn't get it done, right? Joshua did it. Here's a fun quote that I love. I, this is one of my favorite quotes in the world. This is uh, Frederick Buechner, and he said, the place that God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. This is where I want to turn um, and, and flip it a little bit, right? Because we, we saw Joshua, and he, he fought in these incredible battles. God told him, he said, like, here's what I want you to do. You see Jericho over there? It's got these massive walls. You get a ladder if you want, but what I think you should do instead is march your people around it and blow some horns. <laughs> okay. Do that for six days. Sure. You told me to do it. Okay. Could you imagine, like, the people, though, they're like, that's some big walls, right? <laughs> you get back to their camp, and they're just like, what do we do that for? I don't know. Joshua told us to do it. Okay, we'll do it. We have to kill people who don't do it, because we told them we'd do that. <laughs> after, after six days, God's like, hey, now go around and do it seven times and scream real loud when you get done. <laughs> sure. You imagine the people like on the walls that are looking at these people like, oh, they're out again. They're marching around our city. I don't know what they're doing. They're blowing some horns. Day seven, you know what happens? The walls come crumbling down, just like shattered. Do you think that was Joshua's amazing strategy? Can I tell you, like his place of gladness in the world was doing what God told him to do so that his people could have a home. You know what the hunger was in the world? Having a home. So these walls crumbled. Joshua picked up the sword and he's like, let's get at them, boys. And they tore the place to shreds. The next battle wasn't so successful because some, some punk from Joshua's army like stole some sacred artifacts that were the Lord's and then they went into battle and they got, they got skunked. You know what Joshua did? He, he like went to that dude and was like, you know what? That was a punk thing to do. Now you're going to die. So he took that guy and his entire family and they stoned him. 
And then they went back and fought the people and wiped the floor with them. Joshua's strategy all along was, was meeting that place of gladness and hunger through the work of the Lord. But I think this quote is so important for us, for us as believers, because so many times we're like, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't know what my calling is. Like, I don't know if this is the will of God for me to marry this person. I don't know. Like, God, could you just like write it in heaven or something? And, and here's the deal. I think God's will for us most of the time is to find the things that make us come most alive and then find the places that, that are hungriest in the world and combine those things together. Man, I get geeked about teaching and about writing and coming alongside people and wrapping my arms around them. And, and you know what the hunger is? People need that stuff. Like, ah, oh, so cool. Where is that for you? What, what's the place of gladness in your life? What's the place of hunger that you see out in the world around you? How can you like join those things together and, and like it, it's gonna make just this awesome thing that God wants to do through your life? Just like Joshua having the courage to step out in the calling that God had for him by doing those things. Here's the deal. I want us to read this little bit of scripture. It's Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I love this passage of scripture. Actually, I think for time, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit. So let's just look at, uh, yeah, let's look at 11. This is Paul writing. The church in Ephesus, and he says this. He gave the, uh, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. There was like a word there that I think meant something that is important, right? Here's what it is said until we all till we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood to the fullness of the stature of the fullness of christ till we all can i tell you like i i, I read these words and i i don't believe for a second that um anymore in our in our body that we're like looking and like you're an apostle you're a prophet I think those gifts were like specifically for the early church, and we can talk about that if you want to. That's fine. But here's the deal. I believe that the giftings of those specific things still exist in our world. And here's what I mean by that. An apostle was somebody who was visionary, who stepped forward and built things. They got it done, right? They, they planted churches. They, they worked with new groups of people. They were geeked about it. Prophets, they were people who heard things from the Lord and spoke those out into the world around them. Evangelists, they're people that are on fire for telling other people about the gospel and what Jesus is doing in their lives. Shepherds, they're people that come alongside people and wrap their arms around them. Teachers, they're some of them, they say, thus saith the Lord, this is, this is God's word for your life and this is how to apply it, right? So I, I firmly believe that every single person sitting in here, you're gonna fall under one of these five giftings in some way. Maybe you have like kind of a bent towards like the apostolic work. You're really good at launching things. Maybe like you're really good at like hearing from the Lord and, and speaking with a discerning spirit over somebody else and saying like, man, that's, I don't believe that's what God's telling you at all. Let's discern this together. That's prophetic. Where does your gladness line up with these five? And where's the hunger in the world that needs that to speak into it? I have such a burden for, for this church and, and I know like COVID's been hard. It's, it's been hard. I know there's some people who still feel kind of anxious about it, right? But here's the deal. It breaks my heart when there are seats that are this full 
and then I hear of different ministries struggling to find volunteers. Can't do certain programs because we don't have enough people. I get convictions are, are, are important. I'm not telling you to go against them. I'm just saying like, man, where's the place of gladness in your heart that would point you towards a service opportunity inside of this building or outside of it? But it's getting to the point, church, where like if we don't do something about it, people are not going to hear the gospel. Can we be courageous and step forward? I, I'm, I just so believe that like, man, as believers, as people are doing what Jesus said we should do, every classroom should be full of adults. They should have to turn adults away from classrooms, from being youth workers, from, from like coming and helping at men's ministry. I mean, all of these opportunities, women's ministry, all of these, we should have to turn people away because it's like, yeah, I don't got a job for you. You want to like, you want to be the third person helping to carry that one table? Like, come on, let's do it. You know, like we should, we should be there. I'm stepping on my toes too because there's a lot of things I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that. Okay. Where does your deep gladness and the deep hunger of the world line up? Where's your deep gladness and the deep hunger of people walking into this church to hear the gospel for the first time line up? How can you sacrifice yourself for the greater good of someone else coming to know the king of the universe who died for their sins? Here's the thing. I'm, I'm done. So I, I want to encourage you guys, like, I want you to ask yourself these questions. We're going to have just a, a short time of reflection time. I want you to think about that, like the deep gladness, the deep hunger, but, but even more than that, I want you to have the rails for, for how to process what that looks like. And so I want you to ask yourself over the next couple minutes these questions. If you have a phone and want to write notes about it, cool. If you want to write it down on a piece of paper, cool. I would encourage you to think about this throughout the week. Maybe you already know the answer to these questions, but maybe you can process it more. Ask the Holy Spirit, invite him in to, to illuminate these things for you. Ask yourself, who am I? Ask yourself, who am I not? Then ultimately, ask yourself, who is with me? And I'll give you the, the cheat code for that one. God. God is with you. Can you ask yourself that and just think through, who am I? What makes me me? What makes me come alive? Where is my deep gladness? What am I not? Who, what have I been telling myself that I am that I know that I'm not? How have I been overextending myself and burning myself out when I could be focusing my energy on something that's going to bring life to somebody else? And finally, who's with me? God, how are you with me? Show yourself to me. Show yourself in the way that I need to be responding to you out in the world. And man, can we step out in courage like Joshua did, knowing fully, contentedly within our hearts who we are and who we're not? Because that's when the walls fall and that's when things change. So take a few minutes and reflect on this, and then we'll encourage you to sing with us after we're done with that.